0: Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, June the 8th, 2019. It is currently 8.02 p.m. Central Time. Well, as a Christian, how should you live your life in the culture of today? Maybe I could ask it a different way. As a Christian, how should you live your life in the world Of today. I was listening to an old radio program a little while ago and they asked it this way As a Christian, how should you live your life in the 21st century? Now, it doesn't matter how I ask the question, the principle is pretty clear. As a Christian, we have to live in this world. So when it comes to doing this, what is your doctrine? What is your theology? What is your biblical philosophy and how to live as a Christian in the world of today? Let me try this. Let's say you meet someone and they become a Christian. Maybe you present the gospel to them or maybe, uh, you know, you just meet them and they tell you they are a brand new Christian. But whatever the scenario is, they are a new Christian and they look to you for advice, counsel. They they ask you to disciple them. They ask you to teach them. They ask you to help them. They're new. I mean, they're Christian. They're they're a new Christian, and they're trying to figure out, okay, now that I'm a Christian, how do I live? How do I live in this world? And they look to you for advice. What? How are you going to teach them? What are you going to teach them? What is your principles? What is your doctrine? What is your theology? And how to live out your Christian life? I think for many Christians... They're like, okay, now that I'm a Christian, see, I go to church, I'm supposed to read my Bible, I'm supposed to pray. They have have some basic key concepts, but for many, they just kind of live their life, you know, just kind of like any other normal person. They don't really really sit there and, and they're not really preoccupied day by day going, okay, how do I live out my Christian life in the world that I find myself? How do I live out the Christian life? They don't really give it much thought. In fact, I don't think many Christians could even write down, on a on a on a blank sheet of paper i don't even think they could fill up half of it with articulating their doctrine their theology or their biblical philosophy and how to live out their christian life in the world today they they may resort to saying to writing things like this okay well as a christian i'm to be in the world but i'm not this i'm not to be of the world that's my philosophy okay that sounds wonderful all right i understand the scripture which you take that from but what does that mean I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. What does that mean? Okay, well, I'm in the world, but I don't do bad things. Is, is, that, is that what it's saying? What, what does that mean? How, how, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. But I'm not supposed to love the world because if I love the world or friendship with the world makes me an enemy of God, according to the way some people read certain scriptures. Okay, well, what does that mean? Wait, I'm to be, I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be transformed. I, I need the renewing of my mind. I'm, I'm supposed to be thinking differently. And when you start trying, to, you can come out with, you know. 10 scriptures 20 scriptures and a lot of people try you know it's great to have those scriptures it's great to throw out a biblical concept but you have to then explain what that looks like you have to explain How you are going to take those principles and live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. How you're going to handle yourself around lost people. How you're going to view the culture. How you're going to view things as money and material possessions. How you're going to view things uh, politically. Your Christian life is supposed to have a profound impact on every area of your life, which then shows up in how you live your life. And the culture in which you find yourself. So let me ask again: How are you to live your Christian life in the culture of today? All right. Hopefully, I, I, I can get you thinking. If you listen to a broadcast that I recorded earlier today, I didn't really—I didn't know this is how tonight was going to work out, but. I was kind of asking that question. Hey, as Christians, we're caught between two opposing ideas. We're in a world that's kind of turned its back on God and becoming hostile to God. But at the same time, we're called to love our enemies. How do we live between these two concepts? So I talked a little bit about that. I didn't realize that that was kind of kind of start an afternoon, now evening, of continuing along this path of thought. And here's what happened. I don't know about... 20 minutes ago, 25 minutes ago, I was going through uh, one of my, I have what's called a feed burner, RSS feed burner, where I just have all these RSS feeds where I keep up with podcasts and articles and, and just trying to keep up with everything. And I was going through and I came across what is this dated? It's dated uh, June the 3rd, 2018. Now, I thought it was a 2019. I don't know why this RSS feed, I guess, stopped updating somewhere in 2018. I can't find a a new RSS feed to update this, but it comes to us from uh, Probe Ministries. Probe Ministries. Now, Probe Ministries, does a, a radio program. It's a, like a little five minute program, like a five minute commentary. Um, and they, you know, sometimes they'll start on a Monday and have these five minute little commentaries all on the same concept. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now I remember listening to Probe Ministries. On the radio, I don't even remember how long ago. And so um, I tried to find an RSS feed. I thought it was the most update, up-to-date one until I realized he, this stopped. Their last RSS feed update was 15 July 2018. All right, so that's, that's frustrating. But at the time when I was looking at it this evening, I didn't realize it was 2018. So I was going through and I'm like, okay. They got one on dealing with doubt. All right, that sounds interesting. Islam and terrorism. All right, that sounds interesting. Truth. What is it and why we can know it? Ooh, all right. Now that, there's some philosophy going on there. All right. Unchristian is Christianity's image hurting Christ's image. Oh, that sounds very good. Influential intellectuals. All right, that sounds interesting. The reliability of kings and chronicles. Oh, that, that could be good. And then all of a sudden, I got down to three June 2018. Again, I wasn't paying attention to the date at the time. I just saw this: Christians in the world. Christians in the world. Okay, that got my attention. That got my attention. All right, Christians in the world. And the reason it got my attention this evening is because of the pod- of the podcast I recorded earlier today about living our life in this world between these two very difficult concepts. I'm, I'm living in a world where they are turning against Christianity, but yet I'm supposed to love my enemy. How do I do this? And I talked about a wrong way of doing it and then tried to challenge us in a right way. So when I see that, oh, they did a program on Christians in the world, I, I, you, and, I, and I thought it was dated just a few days ago, so I was really interested. Then I read this. Okay, the, the, the person doing the commentary looks at three recent books on how to live the Christian life in 21st century America. Ooh, okay. So he's going to look at three books that tells us how we are to live the Christian life in 21st century America. Now, that definitely caught my attention, all right, because these are going to be three Christian books. I started looking at some of the names of these books and I'm like, okay, these books are relatively influential. I've heard of all three. Um, I bet you a lot of people have read these books or at least heard of these books. But the the thing that caught my attention uh, immediately was wait, three different Christian books on how to live the Christian life. I bet that they have three different approaches to how to do so, which would demonstrate that sometimes even within Christianity, there's not an agreement on how we should live our life Uh, how we should live our Christian life out in the world. There's disagreement. And you can just look back through church history and see this disagreement. If you go way back into church history, you had the, the beginning of the monastic movement, where it was the idea, okay, well, I'm not to be, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm to, I'm to forsake everything. I'm to follow Christ. I give up everything. And they joined these monastic communities to spend their life in prayer and, and dedicating their lives to focusing on God and not pursuing anything worldly. All right, that was a, an approach. The fundamentalist, if we go back to the you know, the 1900s, and we kind of go back to the beginning of the modern day fundamentalist movement, they had an approach of separation. We're to come out from among them and be ye separate. We're not going to touch any unclean thing, we're going to separate our, our, ourselves from the world's entertainment. The world's fashion, we're gonna we're gonna make ourselves separate, we're gonna be godly, we're gonna be holy, we're not gonna corrupt ourselves with this evil world. And there was the separation movement. Then there have been those who have been much more like, no, we need to be like the world, because if we're like the world, then the world will like us, and then we can present the gospel to them. We don't want to look too different. So there's there's always been competing philosophies. This is not a new thing, but. When you ask Christians, what's your, what's your theology and how to live in the world, they, they, they sometimes cannot articulate it. So he's going to review three Christian books that try to articulate a doctrine, a theology, a biblical philosophy, and how to do it. Now, this was 2018. What books in 2018, what, we, what, would, what did the books in 2018 have to say about how we should live our Christian life out in the 21st century? I think the idea is fascinating. So, guess what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to play that entire week's broadcast. I think there's a total of five. Now, here's what's going to happen. I I put them all together. And what's going to happen is you'll hear the first one, and then it's going to like fade out. The music will end. You'll think the program is over, but it's not. Then all of a sudden there'll be like a break, uh, a break, maybe silence, and then the next one will come in, and then that one will end, and the next one. So just keep listening until it completely stops playing, right? Just don't listen. and go, oh, that's it. No, no, it's about uh, the 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 audio file is 12 minutes and 56 seconds. So when the radio broadcast starts from Probe Ministries, it's going to play for 12 minutes and 56 seconds. I wanted uh, one of the reasons I wanted to record the introduction is not to confuse anyone. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to everything he has to say about these books. I want you to think about are, are is are these ideas biblical? Are these ideas not biblical? Maybe you'll even be challenged to reading all three books yourself and really thinking this through. Because here's the thing. As Christians, we have to have a biblical view on how to live our life in the world. Because either you're living your Christian life out in a biblical way or you're not. All right? We know we're supposed to be salt. We know we're supposed to be light. We know that there's a lot of Bible verses. I, I think what we really should do This could be an interesting study because I don't think either, I don't think any of these books accomplish this. I could be wrong because it's been a while. I know one of them I've definitely read, the other two I'm very familiar with. I don't know if I've read all of them. But here would be an interesting approach to this idea find every verse in the Bible that would be relevant to this idea of how to live out your Christian life in the world, put them all together. look at each one in its context and write out a biblical interpretation doing proper hermeneutics on what this passage is telling me about how to live my life in the world, and then put them all together and say, here we have it. It sounds like in some of these books, they have kind of a philosophy on how we should live our life in the Christian world, and then they may have ran to the text to to support that philosophy. Now that may be a little unfair. That may be a little unfair, but it it felt that way because I don't know if you can oversimplify this. Also, it sounds like at least with two of these books, they relied heavily on stories, right? Hey, this Christian decided this way of thinking and look at how their life was transformed. And this is a common thing in the evangelical world. These very testimonial type books, um, if you've ever read the Experiencing God book and workbook that so many churches did, well, back, I think it was the 1990s. That was when my church in Nebraska went through Experiencing God. And it's just filled with, you know, this person did this and then look at their life and uh, oh, look at all the miracles they experienced. And oh, they, and then this book will come out. Oh, they did this. And it's like, t- it's like testimonials for an info commercial. Hey, follow this idea and and look. You know, Susan from Iowa, she did it, and look at her life. And look, look, Bob from Oklahoma, he did this, and look at his life. It's it, I, it, I hate that way of, of handling things. I don't need testimonials. What I need is to know what the Bible teaches. I need a biblical doctrine, a biblical theology, and how I'm to live out my life and the world in which I find myself. You need a biblical theology that is explain, not just theories. Again, you can stand behind the pulpit and say, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Okay, I need to know exactly what that means in trying to live out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All right, be ye separate. Come out from, okay, wait, okay, wait, I'm supposed to, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, but I'm supposed to be separate. Okay, well, if I'm separate, if I separate okay, like love, not the world. Okay. Because everything that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Okay. I want to avoid all of those things that are in the world. Okay. Don't be friendship with the world is enmity with God. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. So I'm in it, but I'm not a friend of it. Okay. Like you got to put all of these concepts together and, and we need a biblical understanding, not just a, just, not just throwing out some vague principle. And then you're kind of left going, okay, well, it's Tuesday and I'm in the world. And, uh, all right, what, what do I do? So so this is what I want you to do. I want you to listen carefully. I want you to listen carefully. Ask yourself, okay, which book here that you think is the most biblical? And then just try to uh, allow these reviews of these books, because he's going to look at these books. Uh, let them challenge maybe the way you perceive it, how you perceive the world. Just allow this to really get you thinking about this concept. Members of Victory Baptist Church, please your feedback can be shared with me in the live chat or you can call me or you can email me and um, that would be, you know, that would be great. And anyone else listening, you can email me at newsif at newsif at yahoo.com because I would love your feedback. And speaking of feedback, someone is texting me. You can hear the other iPad going ding, ding, ding. So I better figure out what is going on there. All right, I'll stop right there. Here it is. Probe Ministries, this is from June of 2018. I mistakenly thought it was June 2019, but they review three books and how to live out the Christian life in the 21st century. There's plenty for you to think about and unpack here. And I think this will be hopefully a very valuable exercise. And I hope it sparks a conversation with you know with yourself, with people you know, people in your church, or all of us at Victory Baptist Church to really consider and think about. All right, here we go. Remember, there's five of them. They're going to, it'll come in, it'll go out, and the next one will come in. So let it play for 12 minutes and 56 seconds. All right, thank you for listening. Have a great Saturday night. Tomorrow's the Lord's Day. Be in a Bible-believing church. God bless. Here is Probe Ministries from 2018.
1: If you are a follower of Christ, what are your priorities? Don Clausen reveals three divergent, yet similar views, now on Probe. Have you ever heard a sermon that tried to convince you that our earthly possessions should be looked at more like a hotel room than a permanent home? The point being that earth is a nice place to visit, but it's not a believer's final destination. As aliens and strangers, our real residence is with God, which usually implies a heavenly spiritual existence that is completely foreign to our current one. In a bit of a twist, a recent article in Christianity Today argued that most evangelicals have things backwards. We are wrong if we think that at Christ's return, the wicked will be left behind, and the righteous will be taken away to a heavenly abode. It's the wicked who will be removed while the righteous remain on earth. The author's conclusion is that we should be more caring about this world because it, not heaven, will be our eternal home. How we view final things or the end times impacts how we live today. There's a heated debate going on about the priorities of those who desire to live out a biblical worldview. Should we be focused on restoring this world, redeeming it for God, or on offering the lifeboat of salvation in order to save some from impending destruction along with the rest of the cosmos? Are we to be mostly about creating a restored culture through our spirit-empowered efforts, are we seeking salvation for a redeemed people, leaving restoration of the world to special acts of God? This week, I will focus on three popular books that offer different perspectives on how Christians should prioritize their lives. The books are Radical by David Platt, a megachurch pastor from Birmingham, Alabama, The Next Christian by Gabe Lyons, a conference speaker who has created an organization to encourage dialogue about the purpose of the church, and To Change the World by James Hunter, the Lone Academic a professor of religion, culture, and social theory at the University of Virginia. Platt's book is simple and straightforward. He tells his story mostly by giving examples of people in his church who were radicalized by the gospel. Lyon's book is a polemic against what he calls a gospel that only tells half of God's story. Hunter gives us a scholarly tome, calling Christians to humility when it comes to changing the culture in which we dwell. Although these books are different in significant ways, they all present an argument against the so-called American dream of runaway materialism and extreme individualism. Three different books espousing a similar message told with both passion and thoughtfulness. Join us this week as we consider how Christians are to dwell on earth as aliens and strangers. This has been Probe with your host, Don Clausen. Get your free copy of Don's transcript, Christians in the World,
0: at probe.org. And join us next time as we seek to bring the cultural
1: captives back into the freedom of Christ, here on Probe. The strength of David Platt's book, Radical, is its simplicity. He pleads with us to believe what Jesus says and then to obey it. But like most things in life, his simple admonition hides nuances and assumptions that beg further explanation. Platt fills his book with example after example of Christians making radical life decisions as they reject both the American dream and the typical American way of doing church. He argues that we as Christ followers in American churches have embraced values and ideas that are not only unbiblical, but that actually contradict the gospel we claim to believe. After introducing himself as one of the youngest pastors to lead a megachurch, he admits that the bigger-is-better tendency in our churches is hard to support in Scripture. Platt's concerns are worthy of much soul-searching and careful interpretation of God's Word. But about halfway through the book, I found myself both attracted to and frustrated by the many stories of life change among Platt's congregants, as well as his own struggles over how to lead his church in a way that is Christ-honoring. For example, Platt's discussion of Luke, chapter 9, results in this sentence. We do have to give up everything we have to follow Christ. We do have to love him in a way that makes our closest relationships in this world look like hate. And it is entirely possible that he will tell us to sell everything we have and give it to the poor. Unfortunately, when I look for principles to know when and to what extent Jesus is asking me to do these things, I didn't find that Platt offered any. Platt leaves little room for interpretation when it comes to the words of Jesus. Is it possible that Jesus used rabbinic hyperbole or exaggeration, common to the Jewish teachers of his day, when making his more drastic comments about holy living? Even though Platt occasionally tempers his remarks with an I don't have all the answers, or I have more questions than answers, he writes as if his reading of the text is obvious and conclusive. Platt's book, Radical, is intended to shock culturally captive Christians out of their American dream stupor and to become serious Christ followers. His one year dare at the end includes activities all believers would benefit from. We should be praying for the entire world, reading through the entire word, sacrificing our money for kingdom purposes, reaching out to those in other cultural settings, and committing ourselves to multiplying church communities. I just wish that Platt had given us a little more nuanced guidance as to when and to what extent. Christians should live a radical life. Of the three books being discussed this week, I anticipated the arrival of Gabe Lyons' book, The Next Christians, the most. I had read glowing endorsements and was hoping not to be disappointed. The first of three sections in the book describes how the world has changed in its perception of Christianity. Although there is much good information here, Lyons resorts to the phrase, perfect storm, once too often, in describing our current cultural milieu. He has right to describe attitudes towards believers in post-Christian America as mostly negative, but I am cautious about his complaint that our situation today is somehow unique. Lyons describes the church response to social change as either separatist or cultural. The separatists are characterized by judgmental withdrawal from society, aggressively defending a Christian America that no longer exists. They reduce the Christian's task to saving a few souls via evangelism in ways often offensive to our pluralistic society. It's not a pretty picture. According to Lyons, we are far too influenced by the remnants of the fundamentalist movement that did battle with modernism at the beginning of the last century. Cultural Christians seek to blend into the culture rather than judge it and define the Christian life as primarily doing kind things for others. These self-identified Christians place tolerance high on their list of virtues and are working diligently to avoid topics or actions that might alienate their neighbors. Lyons argues that they have conformed to the culture in a way that relinquishes any hope of having significant impact. Lyons endorses a third category, which he calls restorers. He describes these people as those who envisioned the world as it was meant to be, and they work toward that vision. Restorers seek to mend earth's brokenness. They are optimistic and see that God is on the move, doing something unique in our time. Their mission is to see how things ought to be and then commit their lives to making it so. In a manner similar to Platt's book Radical, Lyons chastises Christians who focus too much on the gospel message of redemption, and emphasizing a salvation that offers escape from this fallen world. By putting restoration back into God's story, we don't have to wait for God to give us a new heaven and earth we can experience now. Lyons' call to action is an expansive one, and it immediately raises questions about what a restored world should look like, what specific forms should our political, economic systems take. He seems to assume that we should know the answer to these questions, but I'm not so sure that it's that obvious. This week we are reviewing three books with slightly different visions for how Christians are to live in the world. Today we will consider the most academic of the three, James Hunter's book, To Change the World. Not only is Hunter's book one-third longer than the other two, it is far more abstract in content. Where the other two books give significant space to stories of lives changed by a biblical calling, Hunter devotes less than three pages to real-life examples. What we do get is a thoughtful overview of how most Christians wrongly pursue political power in the name of Christ. According to Hunter, Christians can be broken down into three distinct groups, the Christian right, the Christian left, and the Neo-Anabaptists. The Christian right seeks to win the culture war. In its eyes, Christian America is disappearing and needs to be defended. Secularism has conquered the media, academia, and government, resulting in a culture that rejects biblical values and corrupts our children. In many ways, the Christian left and Neo-Anabaptist look a lot alike. They are hostile towards an unrestrained market economy and capitalism itself. They also share a sharp loathing for the Christian right. But they differ dramatically regarding the believer's relationship to government. The left sees the government as a partner, while the Neo-Anabaptists see it only as a coercive force that uses violence to enforce its will. Hunter argues that all three groups seek political power in order to change the culture, a goal that will inevitably fail. He spends a large portion of the book explaining why changing a culture is far more difficult than most appreciate. Cultures are more complex and resilient than we think, and cannot be changed by just putting new ideas in people's minds. In the end, Hunter calls Christians to what he describes as a faithful presence. Rather than defending against the secularization of culture— or trying to be relevant to it, or even seeking purity from its negative effects, he calls for another response that lends authenticity without sacrificing coherence and depth to our faith. Building a faithful presence requires that our leaders care more about discipleship than fighting the culture war or gaining political power. Christ followers today have faith but lack a vision for living that is distinct from the larger post-Christian culture. For Hunter, a theology of faithful presence means a recognition that the vocation of the church is to bear witness to and to be the embodiment of the coming kingdom of God. Hunter realizes that the new heavens and new earth will be God's restoring work, but by honoring God through our relationships and our tasks, we will taste something of his kingdom now. This week we have considered three stimulating and passionate books, Radical by David Platt, The Next Christians by Gabe Lyons, and To Change the World by James Hunter and have been left with three overlapping pictures of what it means to be a Christ follower in the current American culture. Is the Christian life about being a radical, being as countercultural as possible? Is it restoring the world to a pre-fall condition? Or is it as simple as being a disciple-maker? The Apostle Paul certainly lived a radical lifestyle, but he was limited by a couple of parameters. Paul talks about being free from the expectations of men, and yet careful not to give offense in any way that might hinder the gospel. He was culturally sensitive enough to know what actions or words might keep people from hearing the good news. He said that he became all things to all men so that some might be saved. He conformed to the culture enough to communicate the transcendent truth about Jesus. Paul says very little about reforming Roman society, the government, commerce, or education. He seems to be much more concerned about the culture within the church than he does the culture at large. He writes What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? His desire was for Christ followers to live out the one another passages that fill the New Testament, to be loving, encouraging, building up, and bearing with one another in a way that will draw outsiders to the gospel. What about Gabe Lyon's strong emphasis on restoration? In my mind, the issue is one of priorities. Most Christians would like to see their efforts result in some degree of healing and restoration in our society. But is healing and restoration of America our first priority? This might be true if one holds the view that Christians must take over society prior to Christ's return, as do some post-millennialist, but for those who believe that Christ will return as a conquering king to a world in rebellion, there is no expectation or responsibility for Christians to restore the planet. These differing positions show once again the relevance of theology to everyday life. International speaker and author Os Guinness describes clearly our first priority as believers. He writes, All that we do must be first and last for Christ and his kingdom, not for America or the West or democracy or whatever. The first things must be first again, and everything else must be viewed only as a bonus or a byproduct and not our prime concern. Since God has chosen to build his kingdom through the church, it is Christ's church that should receive our primary efforts.